Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode 19 of the Joshua Kuznick Experience, the only podcast with a baseball MLB certified baseball agent. I am Ryan Sullivan, your host of the show, and of course, the, I have on the line with me the man the show is named after, Joshua Kuznick. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm actually uh, I'm in an interesting spot here. I'm recording, and I am moving from Maryland to Delaware, so I am sitting on the floor staring at a blank wall and uh, praying that this uh, internet connection and everything else holds true, but uh, more importantly, how we'll are see. you? My... We'll find out. <laughs> more importantly, my man, how are I've you? Done, I myself have done interviews from the floor of my house in Port St. Lucie uh, wearing headphones, and it's on YouTube, and it looks ridiculous because you can actually see the window. Um <laughs> behind uh my head well we've recorded a show uh what was it a couple of hours before the hurricane that came through a couple of so you must during the hurricane didn't we yeah so you must have been on the floor then or somewhere very awkward yeah i was definitely on the power we lost power for like 16 hours it was i mean it was not fun and much you know a lot of other people got it much worse than we did but uh yeah i forgot that i called you and i was like yeah let's just record i got nothing else going on it's a hurricane (laughs) And we actually had a heck of a show, quite frankly. It was fun. So. Yeah, it was a pretty good show. I was <laughs> fine with that one. Uh, Josh, I have so many topics, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, Let's just get started. Uh, I'll dive in. Uh, first of all, I don't know that the press has given you the credit you deserve, but uh, I- I'm going to give you a round of applause right now. Uh, I think you did a hell of a job with uh, the Jeremy Jeffress contract. Thank you. Uh, that just became public uh I don't know. Other people see. didn't feel that way, but Mr. Jeffress is quite happy. I'm quite happy. And, um, you know, it gives him an opportunity to stay where he's comfortable and he's going to make some money. So, you know, good for Jeremy. I'm thrilled for him and his daughter and his family. And he has been through so much in his life. Granted, admittedly, some of it's self-inflicted. But, um, you know, for him to get to this point is, is, is a testament to how much he really cares and how much uh, addiction is a disease. And he doesn't want to be that way. And he has to battle it every day. And I'm very proud of him for doing what he's done. And, and I'm thrilled to death he's happy with the contract that we got him yesterday yeah i think it's great he's going to be in milwaukee i think milwaukee's a really good team up and coming as well and he's a perfect fit in uh that market and and i think that market's really kind of gravitated to him as a i don't know fan favorite is is kind of cliche but definitely kind of one of their guys if, if i can use that term he is loved there and that would be impossible to replicate somewhere else and no matter what anybody has to say about it there is no situation on earth um, that that would be better for him uh, mentally uh, with what he has to deal with health-wise. Uh, it's just I personally don't believe at his age, at age 30, um, it would be smart for him to start over. And, and I mean, we've, we've seen the results. So we were talking off air. His career ERA in 91 games elsewhere with Texas, Kansas City, and Toronto is like 4-8-something. And his career ERA in 181 games with Milwaukee is like 2-5. So, I mean, even though ERA is an outdated metric, but, I mean, even with the eyeball test, it's like he's just happier in Wisconsin. And he loves that fan base. And that fan base has stood with him through everything. And did he have to sacrifice certain things financially? Sure he did. But um, I given the totality of the circumstances it's it's a unique situation and as an agent you do what's best for your client and you have to always just um do what's best for for jj i mean that that was what that what it came down to. it didn't matter what was good for everyone else it was what mattered for him and that's all that i care about 
I am thrilled to death for him. It's amazing. I'm happy as I woke up this morning and I felt great, especially when I saw some of the other contracts. I'm like, oh man, I did do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you can't mention the names and, and actually No, maybe, I can't I, mention the names. I can't slag on other players or agents. I would never do that. But there were certainly some numbers that uh, weren't nearly as high as Jeremy's number last uh that was signed yesterday, the tender deadline. So uh, I was genuinely, and I think it's reasonable given the circumstances, uh, obviously given it's a one-year deal, nothing's fully guaranteed, and he has to win a spot in spring, but given what it would cost them to buy him out, plus a signing bonus, uh, it wouldn't make good fiscal sense to buy him out. I, I, unless he's just terrible or gets hurt, I cannot imagine a situation he's not a brewer to at least start the season. And, and I don't, unless they tank, I don't see them ever trading him. But, you know, the interesting thing about the deal is, is they can decline the option next year and offer him arbitration for a third time instead of honoring the deal. And it would wipe out the third year of the, uh, the options. So, you know, it, it's essentially a one-year deal that if he's really good, it does cap his earnings in free agency, but it does allow him to stay in a place where he's comfortable, which I know it sounds horribly cliched, but not everything is always about money. And, and again, in this unique circumstance, given what he has battled in his life, which is still constant, um, because that's what it is, uh, removing stability from him is just a, a reckless, dangerous act. And, um, I wouldn't have been comfortable with it. I mean, I I know fiscally there are some things that are new that are not ideal um, that I'm not thrilled with. Um, I would have loved to have not had that third year, to be frank. But uh, given the totality of the circumstances, him hitting the open market, I just was not comfortable recommending that fully. I mean, was I capable of getting him a deal in free agency? Absolutely. Um, would it be for as much as he could make up of this contract? Um, I doubt it heavily. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I can say And it. now it doesn't matter because he signed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I think if I wasn't the first person to text you, I was definitely one of them and just said, you know, I think he did a hell of a job on this deal getting yeah. in, in the right place. So Yeah, certain uh, – a couple of very powerful people were unhappy with me yesterday, but the media in general and more importantly, Jeremy, are quite happy with me, and that's all I give a shit about. Well, that's the most important, right? Um I got to ask you about Michael Brantley as well. We were talking about this a little bit on the last episode, if I remember correctly, and there were some questions. And there were some questions: Is this option going to get picked up? Is it not? And it know. did. And it did. So, can you tell us? A I, little had, bit? I had I yeah. had nothing to do with it. That was all legacy and Greg Genske were handling that stuff. I was preoccupied. Okay, is that something I can dive into further, or is that something we need to move on from? I mean, I just have no insight I can give you beyond oh. what I know, what I know as as being his friend. So I think it's just a good fit in general that he's going to stay. Oh, back I in agree Cleveland. with you. I'd so. be, I mean, I I think it's perfect for him, and he never wants to leave. And I know he feels like he owes the city a better ending than what he was able to supply them with, given the injury he had. You know, at the time. I mean, he left the clubhouse not knowing if he was coming back. He was hugging teammates, saying goodbye, and. You know, in case he had to leave, and fortunately, obviously, the price point he was at, it's still a bargain if he's healthy, and, uh, you know, he won't be for a while, but he's going to give it all that he's got to get healthy like he always does, so, I mean, the first half of this year, he was an all-star, so, let's hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, it's it's a shame to see him, you know, struggle with these injuries, because he is one of the he's more a, dynamic he's players. If, if He's a unique talent, I don't think there are too many guys in the major leagues like him, and, uh, He's an even better person, and uh, 
I, it's just something you wouldn't wish on anybody. And it's like, he would be the last guy you would wish it on because of how awesome he is. And it just, it's so unfortunate. And, uh, you know, not only that as a fan, you get robbed of watching a really great baseball player and, and that sucks. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, another topic just running down the list. Uh, did you complete a baseball set? Did I see this correctly? I did complete a baseball set. I thought I saw this on Twitter, but I didn't. I wanted to save it for the there show. There was a story written about it. Yeah. Okay. So now f- fill fill everybody in because I. Okay. So in 1988, um, there was a set made, two series, 100 cards each, called Pacific Legends, and it took all the legends of baseball up until 1988, and it ranged from everyone from Babe Ruth to Dave Kingman for some reason. Um, and actually that might've been a different series, but it was like everyone from Babe Ruth to Bill Spaceman Lee. So it took like 200 random people in baseball history, all the greats and, you know, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Roy Campanella, um, you know, and then also guys that are dead, like Ty Cobb, Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby are in it too. So at the time of the set's release, after the two series, 166 out of the 200 cards could have possibly been autographed, um, when the set came out. Um, right now, I think there's only like 40 people left that are still alive that are in the set. Oh, wow. But yeah, but after what 88, so that's 20, that's almost 30 years. Next year's 30 years the set will be. Uh, I was the first person in all, in 30 years that I'm aware of, and that website was aware of, to get every single all 167 cards to get one of the versions of Roy Campanella, whether it was machine signed or wife assisted signature, because every signature after 1960 with his accident. Um, he was either auto penned or his wife signed them with him. Like he would hold the pen and looking back, it's gross that that happened. Right. But, um, but, but every Campanella autograph is some form of a assisted signature. So I got a Roy Campanella finally after 29 years and I was the first one to get card 167 done. And now I have the only complete Pacific legend set, uh, completely autographed, uh, DiMaggio, Williams, Mantle, um, Monty Irvin, uh, I, I mean, Joe Black, uh, Sal Magley, Bucky Walters, I mean, Doc Kramer, I mean, some old school throwback baseball names and, and a lot of history. And it was like the first set I ever worked on with my dad um, when I was in the hospital. And the very first baseball card show I went to in St. Petersburg with my father had DiMaggio, Williams, Duke Snyder, uh, Bobby Allison, who was the rookie of the year in like 1965. Um, and we, we bought that set and started getting autographed. And then we started getting all of them autographed. And then I kept it up for years when I was sending stuff out in the mail. And then I started buying some when I was an agent because I, I there was some I was missing. And then I got I got pretty close to done last year when I got Sal Magley and Vic Rashi finally. They were two of the harder signatures to get because they died right after the set came out. Uh, and the Campanella, I didn't even know any existed. So um, how'd you find, was cr- yeah, how'd you find the Campanella? Okay, so my dad was crashing at my house randomly um, <laughs> about a month and a half ago, and um, I couldn't sleep, and I was just messing around on Amazon, and I was just – my mom had got me a gift card, like, randomly. Uh, I wasn't in a great mood for something that I don't want to talk about, and uh, my mom was visiting, and she bought me a gift card for Amazon. She's like, just go buy something, have fun. And I'm looking at autographs that I can buy on Amazon because there's a few stores that I always randomly buy autographs from. And um, I, I was looking up Koufax and Drysdale and Bob Gibson and just usual stuff, just like that stuff I like collecting. And um, I'm like typing in the names and like every six months or a year, I'll look if there's a Campanella. You know, I don't have an alert set up for it, but like I'll just check if there is one. And I typed in Roy Campanella autograph and the first thing that come up was the card. And I think it was like $275. I'm like sold. Oh, my so, gosh. Um, 
Yeah, no, I bought it immediately. I woke my dad up at 2 a.m. and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what are the odds I was with my dad when I finished it? That is amazing. Yeah, oh. so I was that was really awesome. Like I was I can't believe I like I'm still trying to figure out how to display everything. It's in a binder. Um I I had a contest on that website. I got to get home. I I've, I've, I've been working a ton. I got to drive down to my dad's house and pick up a double of like uh Buddy Lewis or one of the <laughs> older guys and uh I'm going to send it out to one of the random fans that commented on the uh the thread to uh the story. But yeah, it was a big deal. Like I uh I finished it. I'm the first one. Uh, how are you going to display the cards? One, do you have any idea? And if and I, I wanna... don't, I, I we took we, we had a contest uh, for suggestions, and um, I mean it's fifty fifty and leaving it alone in a binder so it doesn't see the light of day, or get some hardcore Hall of Fame caliber UV coating glass and just do it in panels and frame it that way and you know display it in a room which i don't have one set up yet amazingly enough it's kind of all just in storage which is why i've tried to donate stuff to jeff idelson before uh but the hall of fame likes uh or i'm sorry i've tried to loan stuff to jeff idelson and they like donations not loans so um, i'm not going to give them anything but uh i would love to loan them some of my stuff because it doesn't belong in my closet yeah that's so, a shame um, that's a problem you know, we all run into like, we all get all this that, cool stuff and then we end up you know, we don't display it as like we should, and it just sits, and it's like. Well, I've been in touch with the Hall of Fame. If Vlad Guerrero gets in this year, I've got two pieces of history on Vlad that they want from me. Um, I have the West Palm Beach Expo's metal locker room logo that's like five or six feet tall that I ripped off the stadium before they tore it down. Yeah, you told that story before. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, so I have that still, and they want that because obviously that was Vlad's clubhouse sign and Pedro and, and Randy Johnson and every expo ever larry walker uh, but more import- yeah. <laughs> yeah but more importantly guerrero and also i have a home game use west palm beach expo jersey of Vlad guerrero do you really is that just from back in the day i or bought did you- it when i was watching him play that's pretty cool i have a game use west palm beach expo jersey and you know how they tagged their jerseys that year they put a felt name tag on the inside of the jersey after the season so it says guerrero in stupid felt letters like from an arts and crafts star on the inside of the jersey but it's his number 27 jersey from that year the home one after he got promoted mid-season they just sold it for like 75 bucks and i bought it now the hall of fame wants it from me did you get it signed? have you ever run into flat i have never gotten it signed he's been in the dominican since i got it i mean he was either a superstar in the big leagues and i couldn't get near him or i was an agent or he's back been in the dominican but if there was like a paid autograph signing next year i'll overpay to get it done like i know I know Cal's going to do the signing eventually, and those cards will get done hopefully this year. But if not, I'm going to give in and pay for them this year. Uh, God, I mean, Flat's got to be a, somebody you can get. I mean, if you go to one of his kids' games, he's got to be at some I met, of those games. I got games. his kids' autograph this year. Well, my dad got his kids' autograph this year. Right. I mean, then you just I didn't somebody. ask the kid for his autograph. My father, I made sure, got his autograph because oh. my dad wanted to meet him. Oh, well, that's all right then. That, and by that's the way, I thought that was a cool moment because I got to watch Vlad Guerrero Jr. play with my dad when – he first took me to my first minor league game, and we went to go see Vlad Guerrero play, which was weird. And now you're flipping around and introducing him to his kid. That's kind of a real, uh, surreal father-son moment or it whatever a, the word is. It was is. a cool moment. Then Dad got a ball signed by Vlad Guerrero Jr. When back then, I got ball signed by Vlad. That's so funny. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. I was I, I enjoyed that. That was a good moment. But, yeah, the set, that set's finished, and uh, – I mean, I'm pumped. I mean, I, I mean, I got tons of autographed rookie cards that I've collected over the years, like uh, Mutual, Koufax I bought. Like last year, I bought a Koufax uh, signed rookie card. These are all PSA'd, and uh, 
uh, Brooks Robinson, Frank Robinson, um, Mazeroski. I mean, I love signed rookie cards. And I remember Nolan Ryan, Johnny Bench. I mean, people would always tell me it's a bad idea to get rookie cards signed. I always got them signed. And um, I just, you know, I have a cool, I have a cool little collection of old rookie cards. I love vintage stuff. When I get down to Florida, and I love that one of my clients, Tim Lynch, is a diehard baseball card collector, like we've talked about. Give me a Tim. Now that you dropped him, I got to ask, how's Tim Lynch doing? Uh, he hit like three twenty-five with like fifteen homers this year and like three hundred and fifty at bats in high A. He's good. Well, I mean, it's just amazing to me that he slipped and then now all of a sudden, because of your mutual love for baseball cards, you guys were to get you know. We text all the together. time. We, we literally I, every time I pick up an autograph, I'll send him a picture. He's like, Jesus, how did you get that? He's a really <laughs> good dude. He signs all of his fan mail. And actually, cool story. I don't know if you saw it on Facebook, and if we get to promote it, that would be good. Um, I have a client named Tyler Badamo. He just got married. He's got two kids. His dad passed away years ago in a horrible accident. Just kind of really good dude. I like him. Um, he's a free agent right now. But um, Topps just released their new minor league set, Topps Heritage uh, Minor League. And the players in that set, actually, unless they autograph cards, don't get paid for it. They get it treated like they're a minor league card. So Tyler doesn't make any money off that. And recently on Facebook, I posted a little bit of a link in an autograph group that um said like hey he'll sign any card and any inscription you want you know for five bucks an autograph he made like you know it was like 50 people take him up on it so um yeah he'll, he'll sign anything for five bucks so uh it, i hope i can link to all that yeah i'll find the link and post it for sure that would be great Yeah, and i'll get you the address and all that good stuff but i mean i think it's pretty cool that at least somebody you know the collectors can get his autograph out of the way now for their sets and stuff for five bucks yeah, and then and and it, I don't get any of that. That all goes to him. I was just trying to hook him up, uh, you know, because I know again, married, two kids, and he's like twenty four years old. So it's like, dude, just take the money. Yeah, just please. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't need to pay me. We're good. <laughs> uh, another topic. Did I see the? Uh, oh wait, that's a uh, wrong topic. So I'm going to bump from that. Uh, so Jason Parks and Kevin Goldstein now have world series rings is, the, is the world now going to flip on its axis is that it, it, is that it weird to anybody has, else right it is, hasn't it i mean is November? that weird is that weird to anybody else that like three years ago we were listening to them talk about you know kevin's neighbors with the mattresses and and his mom was calling or in and now all of a sudden, yelling at me yeah. i was the third guest on up and in they yelled at me for my love and nirvana what of course kevin did but jason did as well kevin kills me with that he wants to tell me how great material issues and how every band from chicago like naked ray gun is better than nirvana it's like all right whatever man oh, please i, I expect I, that from kevin i don't that, expect that from jason at all no jason just used to love making fun of me in general which we're totally fine with we created the whole verducci thing that <laughs> you, we, we all remember that but now jason's the director of pro scouting for the diamondbacks and has a world series ring and kevin is like whatever his title is and and he has a world series ring so that is freaking awesome isn't that amazing i mean i guess uh, kevin us- was my editor kevin created my column like that's nuts and then me i was jason's agent <laughs> That is so great on so many levels. Am I going to end up with a team? Am I going to get a ring? Like, what the hell? Uh, if you end up with a team, first of all, we lose the show, so that's a problem. We but would two, lose the show. We would, we would lose the show. But two, I, I would ha- be... By the way, I have turned down overtures from ball clubs before. I, I would be fascinated to see them deal with you on a daily basis in a club, though. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it would take a very creative ball club to hire me. And um, although they with the history, but... Uh, no, I, I've been offered special assistant jobs before. And by before, I mean like one time I was offered it and I turned it down because I didn't want to bail on my clients. But 
I was going through an existential crisis during that time, though, because I almost took it. Well, I will say they probably said the same thing about Parks three years ago, and now look where he oh, is. Parks, so. <laughs> Parks got crushed by everybody because him and I are like the biggest square pegs in the baseball round hole. So, I mean, Jason's great, and Jason has a huge title and a huge responsibility, and it's like I always like to say about myself, too. You know, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's just the substance. And as long as you're following the rules and you grind it out, you know what you're doing, you're going to be fine. So that's why I'm able to look past dumb stuff and find a guy like Seth Lugo and everybody whiffs on him until he gets to the big leagues. It's like I knew that guy was going to be a guy from day one. Have I been wrong before? Yeah, I've been wrong a ton of times, but I wasn't wrong there. Well, the nice thing is in your business, you only have to be right a few times. If you yeah, I only need to be guys. right a few times. And, you know, I've had – over 30 big leaguers I've worked for. Some some guys have had a week up. Some guys have had a few years. Some guys are multimillionaires who fired me. Sucks, but uh, for me, but um, good for them. But uh, you know, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm grinding it out. I don't know how much longer the sole proprietorship of like the individual agents like me are going to last in this industry in the next 20 years. But um, uh, the industry's moving more and more towards like the conglomerates, but um, I don't know. I always think there's. I, I'd like to be the optimist to think there's always going to be a role for somebody to pick their their guy and just stick with them instead of having to just be part of the machine. Well, Welly in 1984 machine. Well, and I have to dive into that. Uh, you kind of gave me an opening there, so I got to ask a little bit. Why are you seeing the the com- the conglomeration of these big corporations? Because for a long time, it seemed like there were a couple of big agents and. Everybody can fill in the names of them. But then there were dozens of guys, you know, or corporations or things that were smaller, and, and that's the way it worked. Why are we – is it a, economies of scale? Is it – why are you seeing the, you know, kind of uh, – I, I Personally, I think it's just a lot of the smaller groups don't kind of believe in them, their ability to retain high-end talent on their own. And it's a reasonable concern. I mean, I, I worry about that stuff too. But um, if you have guys with the right makeup and – you build the relationship and you do a good job and you put in your best effort with it, then, you know, you get to trust your guys or you don't. And if you don't trust your guy, don't work for them because what's the point? So I think it's more tilted that way on the agent side. I had a fear. I mean, God knows I considered going that route, but at the end of the day, I never really thought that was best for my guys. I mean, we talked about it off air. I turned down $600,000 a few years ago to uh, merge with a smaller group that is trying their best to get bigger, but you know, literally by myself i've generated more revenue than the entire group so um you know i i like you know one of the biggest problems for me and it isn't a matter of working for someone or having to listen to somebody it's just i'm a big believer and proponent of of hiring people to do their job and what they're good at and if you hire someone to do a job just leave them alone and let them be do what they're good at and you know if you do that square peg round hole thing with me and you ask me to be like are you going to be a good team player? And I'm like, if I think you're wrong, I'm going to tell you. So I guess not. So, (laughs) you know, uh, that's the part that I I don't like. I mean, I used to joke that if I worked for somebody, I'd be fired in 15 minutes, but I I like the idea of working on a team. I would be fine with that if the situation presented itself and it made sense, but I haven't found that yet. And um, like I said, it's going to take a unique situation to take on me. Uh, I'm a lot. So, but I will um, say to that point, I don't know how much longer until we start seeing agents flipping and going more towards uh, the club side and getting involved in 
front offices in a bigger. I mean, there was the one agent who became an owner of the Diamondbacks, remember? And I think that was a disaster from what I recall. But um, I, I don't know, maybe. I mean, the old. <laughs> The older agents all have their money. The younger agents all want to replace the older agents, and like the middle class of agents are all just kind of content. So, I don't know. It's it's really look at it from my perspective. I'm 35 years old. It would be so hard for me to justify under any scenario working for a ball club at this point because I would have to say goodbye to Jeremy Jeffress, Seth Lugo, and Carlos Asuaje on top of everyone else I work for. So, you know, you start with the big leaguers and work your way, you know, to everyone else, obviously, but. Um, everyone's important, but like for me to go work for a club, I have to punt on that. Like I, no way I would turn my back on these guys. Yeah. That's a great point. Like they stuck with me. That's why, I mean, yeah, everyone gets pissed off when they get fired, but like, I really get pissed off when I get fired because they very rarely does someone have a good reason to fire me. Like if they want a bigger company, just man up and say it. But like, you know, I, I, I rarely, you know, I'm a small company. I can't, I literally work alone. Um, that said, I did hire a vice president of marketing, Samantha Newman, who used to be with Panini, uh, training cards for years. So I did hire her. So I am expanding, which is good. And Samantha's awesome. And maybe one day you'll get to talk to her, but, um, she's been a woman in the industry for a long time. And, um, um, she's great. She's, she was totally hired on merit and, uh, I'm very fortunate she decided to work for my company instead of somewhere else. Um, the last two acquisition managers from Tops worked for Dan Lozano and Matt Sosnick. So I am very lucky to be one of, I think, three or four agencies that has an acquisition manager that used to work for a trading card company. I was going to say, and of course, it's somebody that work, that works in a trading card industry with the, your love for it, too. Of course, that work, that natural fit is I there. I think that is why, actually, <laughs> I got picked. Well, she's got to know your love, first of all. And well, she's known me for there. 11 years. Yeah, she was that was at my, my wedding. I mean, I'm friends with her regardless. But, um, but yeah, she knows I understand that part of the industry better than any other agent alive. Mm. I would bet money on that. I'm sorry. I would literally put my, my, my hobby memorabilia experience, my off-the-field earnings experience against anybody in the entire industry. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I you give me the right player, yeah. I can sell him to anybody for anything. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you the exact number, but Seth Lugo made more money than any player I've ever seen in my life signing autographs this year. A, because he's good, and B, because he was in New York. So we took advantage of that like <laughs> crazy. And I don't mean take advantage like pulling over. It's just that every time Top said, are you available, the answer was always yes. Well, it's a smart move, right? You know? Well, that's the thing they look for is that the reason you see certain guys in certain sets over and over again is they have a list of players that they rely on that they know that will show up to an autograph signing on time. So if somebody falls through on their commitment, they'll go down the list like who did their autographs on time, who showed up, who was there, who did it done, you know, who did it quickly, and they'll rely on those guys over and over again as filler. And Lugo was the benefit of that like three times because he showed up to all of them on time and did them all and got them done, and that was it. That's really so it. once you're. Yeah. Once you're in the system, you're good. That's really interesting. Just once again, a little nugget you get from this show. That's really interesting, though. Yeah, because they need the autograph cards. So, and if, if somebody one guy's doesn't not show available up, or doesn't show up to a signing, they need to call someone who they know will. And if they've done 10, 20 signings with the guy and they know him like clockwork, they don't care. Big market mm-hmm. pitcher, call Lugo. <laughs> Yeah, and for you guys, great. He gets a great payday on, on top of he this. Made, he made yeah. more money signing autographs than I ever got personally for Brantley, which is insane. I mean, good for Seth, but Mike was third in MVP voting, but that shows you how important the market is too. 
That's crazy. Uh, can but I... To be fair, though, I will okay. tell you, in spring training, Aswahe and Lugo got the exact same autograph deal, which was for a lot of money. It was five figures. And it was like, wow, one's in San Diego and one's in New York. I don't know. How did they get the same offer? I mean, it's five figures, so I'm taking it. But, wow, that's weird. That is weird. Um, Josh, can I transition the topics a little bit for a second here? Because I've got to yeah. – I would be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about what's going on in – the state of free agency, both at the minor league level and the major league level right now. I mean, as we're recording this, it's December 2nd, and I think it's fair to say that maybe there have been two free agents that have signed, Wellington Castillo and Doug Fister, uh, Yasmiro Petit, maybe I'm blanking, and and I'm not trying to say that derogatorily, but it's really going slow. Um, kind of, yeah. Uh, can I get a take from you at the best uh... way what's going on? I can't comment on players, but I mean, in general, in none general, of my guys sure. have signed yet, and uh, in that's general. surprising. I was fairly certain Steve Selsky would be signed already, and uh, it was my goal to have him signed by the Rule 5 draft. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to accomplish that on, on my schedule, so um, I'm trying to help Nolan Reimold out. I mean, I got a bunch of interest in medicals, uh, requests on him, you know, given his service time and the low risk involved. I not surprised there you know i've got jay chapman who's got big league time cody decker is the active minor league home run leader with big league time and it's just been you know donovan hand who's got big league time i mean it's just it's it's and then badamo and grover the younger guys that are available so it's just like a glacier's pace i mean i've gotten a little kicks here and there but um i mean a lot of teams have told me they they they'd see me in orlando and it's like why are we waiting this long and i know once we're there they're going to wait for the rule five draft because they should see who they take and then figure out what free agents they need but um but it, it's shocking to me it really uh you know on the minor league side the part that i'm involved in currently because i have no major league free agents so i haven't really you know i haven't done any work myself on on that side yet but on the minor league side it's moving very slowly for me and it's not a concern yet it's just very puzzling i I don't quite understand it yet i do have other agents i know that have gotten a few guys signed but even them um it's like one or two guys tops i I mean i'm i think there have been years where i've had all my free agents signed by now i was going to say and i think if my memory recalls you're one of the first to get your minor league guys signed every year i mean it's kind of yeah i love getting my guys i love getting it done out of the way and even with the veterans, I hate waiting until January for them. Um, Decker's down in Mexico right now, and he activated him, and he's struggling a little bit. I mean, he's really unlucky. I mean, he's lined out and had web gems against him every day. But, um, you know, that's that sucks. That's not going to look great for, you know, free agency. But, I mean, he's a known commodity, and he's got big league time, and that's why guys like him and Jay Chapman and and um, Rymold, I mean, God willing, the medicals are okay. Um, you know, guys like that, Donovan Hand always gets signed late because they have big league experience and oh, um, yeah, and they can help. I mean, I'm a little surprised at the complete dearth of interest in, uh, in Decker and in Japan and Korea. I'll never understand that to the day I die, how they wouldn't have an interest in the active minor league home run leader. But uh, I, I've, I've heard all these accusations that he won't be able to hit the breaking pitches over there. But let's like you guys have signed way worse players than Cody Decker. Uh, to give them a chance over there. And I know given the opportunity, Cody would be a freaking superstar over there. Yeah, I mean, I just saw Roger Bernadina got signed the other day for a million bucks over there. And, and goodness, Decker is the kind of hitter that, you know, different player, but goodness, a, a very good hitter. That would be an interesting fit. 
I'd love Decker. I mean, for, for Decker to go to Korea, I mean, he did 40 home runs there. He might have 240, but, I mean, he did, did 40 home runs there. And it's, I, I mean, he's such a magnetic personality. I mean, he's going to be a superstar after baseball's over 10 years from now. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to going to his wedding at least, January 19th. <laughs> I mean, he's marrying Jen Sturger. Wow, I did not know that. What a small yeah, world. Yeah, him, him, him and Jen are getting married. And even more ironic note, Cody hired me a year ago, and I, got, I met him through a mutual friend, Will Carroll, um, you know, the injury expert. That's how I met Cody. Yeah, good man. And he's like, you know Jen's surgery. I'm like, cool story. Jen and I went to college together. Yeah, you went to Florida State. I was wondering. I was, that was my next question. I went to guys school with Jen. Yeah. I knew her in college, so that's weird. Wow, she was quite a fox. Quite a fox. Very, very <laughs> awesome, awesome woman. She does a lot for animal charities. She's a oh, stand-up comic now. And um, she um, she does a lot of um, the um, – she's doing uh, Comedy Central. She works for um, one of the shows there. She's a writer for one of the shows on Comedy Central now. I wouldn't have guessed that in, in a million years. That's so funny. That's amazing. I'm so jealous of the venue she has performed in, and I – I'm angry about it every day of like how jealous I am that she could probably go perform with Mark Marin and I will never get that opportunity or worse yet. I think, I don't know if I told you the story, but my assistant in college who quit being my assistant after I graduated because he didn't like being turned off to sports forever. He became an agent in Hollywood and he works at some of the bigger companies that represent Michael Fassbender and Liam Neeson. Like he's not their agent, but he works for him. And then I found out like a week ago, I had caught up with him after like a year where like we, really we don't stay in touch too often because we're both busy but we're still friends and everything and uh i called him and checked in with him it turns out he's mark Marin's or one of mark Marin's agents now and i'm like i hate you so much uh, wait a minute and he hasn't dropped that on you i mean that's like your guy i don't think he knew that i loved Marin as much as i did like i fanboyed out on him on twitter like 50 times already and i've been ignored like every time but the first time when he, i saw him perform i told him what a great job he did and he responded and i was like yes <laughs> But like every time after that, I'm like, hey, I met Olivia, your producer. Or, hey, I know Aaron. Like, he was my assistant. No response. I'm like, we like the same music, man. We're both Jewish and crazy, and I think we should be friends. And that's weird. So I, I love that you're a big time agent and you still are doing the same stuff that I do on Twitter and we all do. Like, yeah, reach yeah, out to I'm, people. That's so great. You know, and I love that you so call yourself funny. out. Every on year it on I go to the winter meetings, I get recognized more and more, and it's. Like, I know I'm nobody. Like, I'm well aware of that. But, like, at the winter meetings for four days, it's like, what is going on here? This is weird. Uh, so how are you going to prank Jim Bowden this year? What, what's the what's – I don't know. The... I'm looking forward to it. I Hopefully he's not he's not, he's not waiting for me. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm good at crowd work and improvising. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm sure so, – I will see him at the ESPN booth. I will not wear my badge this year. But I will – I'll get – I just love that I have his autograph and he wrote GM in quotation marks because there's so much irony in that because he was a quotation mark GM. In so many ways. In so many ways. I mean, I know he's the actual GM, but I like the irony of thinking of him of being a question mark GM. Well, we kind of just... I, I reread that Fox story I wrote the other day. One, holy crap, I should not have written that. And secondly, that's an awesome article. Yes. That was actually, I think, before we were friends, but that's how I first came to know you, with that story, I think. What an awesome – I mean, yeah, I was 2008. You wouldn't have known me, yeah. but you probably read that, and you're like, damn. <laughs> I'm like, wow, he's my kind of guy. Yeah, that's uh, – man, I don't – I just – these guys don't scare me. I've been through worse. Like, I don't – I mean, this is baseball. Yeah, it's show business, and there's lots of money involved that it's like you can't think about that because it's monopoly money. I mean, it's real money, but I'm not here to mess with other people's – 
finances. I'm just here to make sure they get taken care of and the team doesn't screw them over. Right? You know, I remember years ago, I once told John Butcher, famous. Goes, I don't want to be famous. I want to be rich. And I've never told anyone that ever again. And then I had another <laughs> player tell me, I'm going to make all the money. You're not going to make me a dime. You're going to make sure nothing gets messed up. And that's your job. So I've never told anyone I'm going to make them rich <laughs> yeah. uh, ever since then. But So you're not going you know, all Bob Sugar on people? No, I don't ever do that. But um, that Bowden situation, oh, man, that was it's still hilarious. But uh, I'll think of something good at the winter meetings to, you know, if, if the opportunity presents itself, I certainly will. I never drink at the winter meetings. I don't drink that much to begin with in general. But um, and I don't drink beer, which uh-oh, uh, it's breaking hearts of like half the listeners. Um, Including but, um, myself. Yeah, I know, sorry, I'm not a beer guy. Um, I do like bourbon. But um, but anyway, um, but yeah, I'm not drinking at the winter meetings. I'm there to work, and I've got a million meetings set up this year. And Samantha set up a lot of them with the vendors and did a really terrific job. So and I, I and I did want to ask you in a serious note what what you have going on. The winter meetings are about a oh, week man, away. I've, so. got, I've already got like a hundred meetings scheduled for four days. It's, it's, I mean that's vendors and teams. So I mean I'll do my mop up duty at the Rule Five draft where you have everyone in one room and you just hit everyone that you missed. But um, I'm going to be working nonstop the whole time I'm there. I mean, Jeremy's deal's finished, so I don't need to shop him. Uh, I'll be shopping all my minor league free agents. I'll be meeting with Asian ball clubs, and I'll be meeting with every single endorsement company that exists. Wow. And dealing with the media. What's the location this year? Remind me again. Orlando. I get to drive to it this year. Oh, that's a plus. It's a huge plus. And we uh, – interesting note, the last time it was Orlando in Orlando – my wife and I went to Disney on the last day, and at Disney, I ran into Hank Azaria. <laughs> well, was that, that was literally the second the winter meetings ended. We went right to Disney. We get out of the car. We, you know, we we parked. We get out of the car, walk into Disney, and then we just see Hank Azaria. And her first reaction was, "You already spoke to him because she was so tired of meeting people." I'm like, "No, that's the voice from The Simpsons. Shut up." Yeah, and the Hank Azaria story happened, which we've already discussed on the show. That is so amazing. That is so great. Literally, like, and also, if you remember the rest of the story, the shorter version now, um, the guy who offered uh, Ben Stiller's ex-wife cantaloupe in Zoolander was also there, which was really strange. <laughs> like, I remember you from Zoolander. I think I'm the only one. Yeah. I think I'm the only one that remembers that scene. Yeah. Can I share this though? Like I know I like our core groups of listeners and I, and I really appreciate the people that do listen. And I know they know the stand up side of me. And I thought of the best joke the other day and I would love to tell it here. Can I keep it in? You can keep it in the show. All right, then great. Tell it. I would like you to, unless, you know, when we're done, you're like, all right, let's, let's not do that. Um, but I think it'll be okay. I'm not going to tell the first part of the joke because that will need to be edited. But I have a joke about John Walsh, the host of America's Most Wanted. <laughs> and I bombed seven years ago at, at, at a contest at a casino. Um, it was to open for Caroline Ray, and I made it through the first two rounds, and I was just so nervous. It was the worst set of my life, and it was in Hollywood, Florida, and I made a joke about John Walsh like <laughs> seven years ago in Hollywood, Florida, where his kid was kidnapped. So it's like I bombed horribly. <laughs> and like while I'm doing my set, they had me close, which was actually pretty cool. I was excited about closing. Um, it was an elderly crowd because it was at a casino. So they were packing up their food, leaving while I'm performing and bombing. And I start attacking audience members. <laughs> and I told somebody in the audience, 
I'm like, what are you packing up your food for? By the time you get home, you're going to be dead. So, <laughs> so by the time, so wait, seriously though. So here's where like the new joke comes into play. About a week ago, I got an alert from Facebook that said that note, like, hey, I bombed worse than I've ever bombed on stage in my whole life today. And then Facebook's like, thought you might want to remember this. Like, <laughs> yeah. thanks, algorithm. Yeah, thanks. So the joke card I have is, I just told you that was a mostly elderly crowd. This was seven years ago. I imagine that audience right now is probably all dead. And for some <laughs> reason, that gives me a lot of comfort. <laughs> Because everyone at my worst show is dead. Yeah. The witnesses are done. It's gone. You didn't even have my to... wife. And she isn't going to say anything. And you got uh, I was gonna the say... guy who's the promoter of the show, and he's not going to want to remember that show. And I'm sure he doesn't anymore. I was going to say, uh... you didn't have to send Snoop and uh, his associate. You didn't have to go Marlo Stanfield on anybody and take anybody but out. I'm telling you, I had such a horrible first thought when – when the bubble came up, they're like, hey, thought you'd like to remember. And it's like, you bombed seven years ago today. I'm like, I'm sure everyone's dead. Yeah, well, that And makes... I'm like, wow. And then as soon as I thought that in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I feel better. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how we work at self-out? I just, you know, it's funny. It's like you said about parks. Like, this is the park that I really annoys me still, and I hope it doesn't happen at the winter meetings. And by the way, I'm speaking at Sport Management Worldwide's conference for the second year in a row again this year. Wow, really? Yeah, they asked me back. I'm shocked. Um, but yeah, I'll be speaking with Dan Evans and, uh, I guess talk about being an agent and I'll give you the link on that when I actually know what day I'm speaking. What um, is your subject gonna, matter going to be besides don't? Like, the subject matter <laughs> yeah. will be don't do it. Right. Exactly. Um, besides that, I mean, that's a very besides short that, speech. I'll just answer questions truthfully, but to be even more truthful as usual, um, last year's panel was okay. It was with Joaquin Soria's agent. who was pretty good. Oscar Suarez. Um, myself and a woman who used to work at, I think, MLB and helped create the Futures game. And she became an agent, but I don't think she was certified at the time. And every time she gave advice to somebody who would ask a question in the audience, I cringed because she gave the wrong answer every time. And I'm like, you have the least experience of anyone here. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop telling these people the wrong things. So at one point, there was a coach, I guess, from North Carolina, and he's like, I really like this kid on our team. I've known the family. I'm thinking about getting into the business. How do I showcase him to other ball clubs? It's a reasonable question to ask a panel of agents. And um, the woman took the lead and told the guy, like, you got to call teams and you got to set up workouts and you got to do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, or maybe get certified in the state first because if you don't, it's a <laughs> felony and you go to jail in North Carolina. Oh, uh, well, maybe try that first. That would be my first piece of advice. I would yeah. get certified. You know, maybe go do that. You know, let's go do that first and then and then maybe not listen to any of the advice from you just heard. Like, You'll crawl before you listen, can walk thing? Yeah. That might be a here's good. the old adage. If you have a good player with a lot of money, you're not calling teams. Like, they're calling you. So, you know, the Albert Pujol story or any guy who wasn't the first overall pick. If you're good, they will find you. T.J. Rivera was an undrafted free agent. Seth Lugo went the 34th round as, uh, you know, from a guy from a centenary college, Division Two, with a losing record. The gents. Now they're big leaguers. If you're good, they're going to find you. And no amount of salesmanship is going to correct a scout scouting report. And even now in the days of analytics and, you know, sabermetrics and, and really hardcore numbers people, the younger guys that have moved hardcore to the Astros model – you think there's anything I'm going to be able to tell them that's going to convince their numbers, like, like override what their reports say? Yeah, very cool. Very true, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, not just me, any agent. Like, if any agent called the team and said, this is, you know, if the team's like, our report says this, and then you're the agent, you're like, well, this is what I have. Who do you think they're going to listen to? The scouts that they have money to or the agent? The job's not to sell the player. The job is to fit the player in the right situation so he can excel. And I think a lot of people miss that. Particularly at draft time. I mean, you know, that's that's just not what you can do. So No, and I'm going to dive more. Now that I've split up my time a little more evenly, I think there is a need for someone like me in the draft it's, it's gotten very homogenized and I went to perfect game for the first time in like six years and met a lot of very nice parents and uh, I, I'm thinking about getting back into the draft again oh, so gosh oh good oh. well it'd be more fodder for the show but yeah you might yeah, lose your I mind mean, at the same time so I'm kind yeah, of I mean not a ton but I, here and there like I always do maybe a little bit more aggressive and try to get a guy every year but we'll see i mean i'm not gonna go crazy i mean i like representing big leaguers and that's kind of where i want to stay so um forward not backward but it is what it is i i am interested in representing more higher higher end talent out of high school i think i could do a lot of good for a lot of these guys and uh if i didn't i wouldn't do it and i've re, re you know reflected a little bit and uh i just think there's an overwhelming need for someone to just be brutally honest with these people and you know, like if an underclassman asked me, why do I need an advisor as a sophomore? You don't for any reason at all, except for an advisor to take your money one day. Like, I, you, someone needs to fill that role to tell these people that. Yeah, I mean, what is he possibly trying to to tell that guy? It helps the agency. It doesn't help the family. So, you know, I feel like now that that's like the trend where they're going after underclassmen, someone needs to tell them the truth. And then maybe I'll get hired by a good family or two along the way. It's just amazing to me that the the poaching starts that early. And, I mean, there was the... a significant player recently that switched agents that believed that the agent that he just hired was the only agent available on earth to talk to that was able to talk to ownership groups. That's not true at all, but sure, the player believed it and fired his agent of 9 years. Didn't happen to me, but it sucks for that guy. Yeah. Well, you only got to make the player believe it. It doesn't have to be the truth. <sighs> just <laughs> you're with the guy for a decade and then you bail on him that's a i mean look with that if you do it without a reason that's just that's yeah, a exactly. bad look man well uh let's go out on a better note josh any, any good news on the way out before we finish uh, um yeah I, jeremy zeal's done i mean i'm thrilled I, I hope he pitches you know to his potential and gets his options picked up and is happy and stays in wisconsin and gets to keep building the lore of jeremy jefferson gets to build a legacy there and um, I'm excited for him. I mean, that's great news. And then, you know, I, I got to get my free agent signed. That's another priority, whether it's domestically or overseas. We'll see. And uh, get through the winter meetings and, um, you know, maybe do some more stand-up along the way if I ever get any free time ever, ever again. And I really would be interested in doing more uh, radio and TV. I, uh, I really like the baseball card segment that I was able to do, and I thought it came out pretty well. And for some reason, unfortunately for you, I, I came off better on TV than I do on, on podcasts. <laughs> I think our audience likes uh, the format that we've got going here. I think it worked out just fine. So. But I came off, like, really slick on TV. There were no ums or uh or whatever. It was just slick, and there was no editing. That was just single take. You know, Sam Raimi or, or Sam Esmail, Mr. Robot, single cam, one take. You know, Kerry Fukujima, true detective, one shot. Like, I nailed that. I, I stuck the landing. I went, Nadia, come and each on that interview. I was happy. Yeah, see, all of our. It was 
All of it our was about f- baseball cards and autographs. There was no way that was getting messed up. Well, all of our fans thought they did, that you did 100 takes after listening to this show a couple times. Like, wait a minute. Oh, my God. You got to listen to this show. And they're like, how long did that take? And it was wait. like, I swear to God, I told you, I followed Alyssa Milano, and unfortunately I did not get to meet her, which really broke my heart. But I did sign a baseball that her – I, I told the story. Yeah. He has a – Mike Oz has a ball signed by everyone who's ever done that show. And I, unfortunately for him, had to sign one of those balls. And I'm looking at this baseball signed by all these celebrities, and I'm looking for the least famous celebrity to sign under. I'm like, all right, Josh Dumas on here. And then I signed under his name. I still think he's a bigger star than you do. I still think he's got more going on. So. Sanzari has a good joke. He's like, my, my cousin Harris used to love watching, you know, pro, he loved watching TNT. He's, he's like his profile photo on Facebook says TNT knows drama. Harris is crazy. Harris watches Las Vegas and DVRs Las Vegas. Josh Dumal's on Las Vegas and he doesn't even watch Las Vegas. And you didn't know who Josh Dumal was, and he's the star of Las Vegas. <laughs> so no, I felt pretty comfortable signing under his name. And with that, that is a perfect and he's a, place. And he divorced Fergie. Come on. Yeah, that was. Uh, but he got Fergie, so that gets some credit first and foremost. But. That is a good point. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect place for us to We'll record at or after the winter meetings. We'll do another one soon. Yeah, that would be great. Josh, good luck. Uh, Safe travels uh, across the state to Orlando, and uh, good luck with everything that's going on. And don't forget, like I said, check out the link for Padamo if you can find it. And if you can't, they'll text you the the address. And um, if you need anything else, uh, let me know. Well, thank you so much, Josh. Oh, and definitely link to the uh, the autograph story that you ended up writing because I'm way more proud of that for some reason than the contract we finished yesterday <laughs> nice so yeah i mean there's an article with my quotes in that one too if you want to go to brewers.com but you know definitely go to the autograph one first yeah well we'll get all the links up if i'm actually technologically inclined to get it working yeah, it, or you could do it from your phone oh that's true too because i'm i'm i it's i have one joke i was working on it would be good to go out on this one it's like i wanted to tell the next time i do stand up i just want to go out on stage and tell the audience i hope you have me in your thoughts and prayers not because that there's anything wrong, just because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I like that joke. <laughs> I love that joke. I was so happy when I thought of it the other day. I was like, it's great. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the Twitter gauge that we're living in now. No, it's just because I'm that narcissistic. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> no, no reason. Just I want you guys to be thinking about me. So, all right, I'll hit you up from the winter meetings. Let's get the links up. We need to get Badamo's address up so we can get him some money. And um, need anything from me, give me a call. Good luck, Josh. Be well. Thank you. Talk to you soon. And with that, episode 19 of the Joshua Kuznick Experience is come to a conclusion. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>